You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste. I have a great lineup of guests this evening talking about all sorts of things from reviewing a restaurant in Cork to what's in the latest issue of Easy Food magazine. If you have something that you'd like to share with us on the show, please do get in touch. It could be your favourite recipe or a fantastic food find, anything food or drink related, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email me, s.noonan at live.ie, or tweet me at queenoforg short for Queen of Organisation. Coming up on the show tonight, resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley talks to us about the Cockbull restaurant in Cork City. I talked to Donald Doherty at Harry Shack in Port Stewart, which is John and Sally McKenna's Restaurant of the Year 2014. Easy Food magazine's Caroline Gray will be here to preview the latest issue. And I hear about the importance of food photography with Shane Smith. But first, let's welcome resident reviewer Rachel Keeley and find out about her latest dining spot, which is in Cork City. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, you're welcome to the studio and we're going to Cork this month. We are indeed, yes. We're going to Cork City, actually, French Church Street, a beautifully old part of Cork City uh, and a restaurant called Cockbull. Which I think some of the other critics may have written about. So I'm very interested to find out what you thought about it. What incited you to go down there? They did. Um, well, to be honest, we kind of... We were down there anyway um, uh, the day after a wedding, would you believe? Um, and in kind of true slightly hungover spirit, wanted some comfort food. So the idea of wings and burgers uh, really appealed. And that's what this restaurant, Cockbull, is all about? Yeah, that, that's, that's really kind of what they, they focus on. Obviously, they have a few other options as well. Um, maybe a little bit light on the vegetarian options, um, as you might tell from the name. But yes, mainly about sort of wings and ribs and burgers and comfort food like that. Okay. So you were there around Around lunchtime? Around lunchtime on a Sunday, yeah. It was busy and actually um, French Church Street has a lovely atmosphere on a Sunday afternoon. A lot of live music playing and buskers and shoppers going up and down the street. So it was, it was actually nice to be able to sit outside. They have about three or four tables outside. So it's a good place to sort of plonk down with your shopping bags and, and have a quick bite to eat and watch the world go by. Okay. So what was the man you like? The menu is, um, it's it's extensive and yet not. Um, I know that sounds strange, but there's quite a few different options on it, but they are very much meat-based, all right. Um, so they have a huge variety of different burgers, as you can kind of imagine. So everything from chicken burger, fish burger, um, decadent burger, which, which I know my husband had. Um, and they also have wings, which I suppose go hand in hand with the burgers. And uh, a big craft beer selection as well. So they're really focusing on that. Um, and then a couple of other sides and starters such as um, ribs and uh, you know kind of comfort food again like that you know and what did you go for yourself um, everything I think is the long and short of it we ended up I think ordering with our eyes as opposed to our tummies um, and uh, ended up going home with a doggy bag so uh, everything is a, is a short answer we started off anyway with some of their cocktails um, so they have uh, what I, I wrote as carry-on monikered cocktails they have all sorts of naughty names of course but uh, it gave us a bit of a giggle while we were trying to order the one that I had was called the cock um, and it was gin and citrus uh, they're all presented in pretty pewter style goblets uh, and then my husband had the bull which is uh, jemison and again fruit juice and piled high with ice and they're all topped off with beautiful orange slices and mint and everything so quite decorative and what sort of money are they? they came in at 9 euro which I suppose isn't terrible for um, quite, a, quite a large cocktail as well so it wasn't anything dainty you know okay so that was the drinks taken care of? Yes, while we were outside. And actually, it was quite a sunny, uh, cold but sunny day. So it was kind of nice to start off with those. Um, and then we, I went for the wings. So uh, again, the kind of simple food, but but done very, very well. Um, it's definitely a case of personality over beauty. I mean, they're just, they're not, never going to look amazing, but they really were very, very tasty. They're kind of quite meaty, whereas you can often get wings elsewhere that have barely any meat in the bones. And uh, it's just all sauce and, and no meat. Whereas uh, these were, again, quite meaty quite robust and then with a lovely delicate blue cheese dip oh love blue yeah. cheese dip love, the combination yes. of frank's hot sauce and blue cheese I think is a match made in heaven yeah very nice and what did Anthony your husband have he had um, the most enormous 
glazed wedge of pork. Um, they're supposed to be ribs, but it was more just a huge big chunk of pork. Um, none of these kind of slightly pink, uh, sad looking ribs here. This was a proper wedge of pork. It quite um, heavily salted on the top, but again glazed. So I'd imagine there might have been some sort of a sugar glaze applied first. Um, layers of crispy salted skin um, and thick gelatinous fat, which obviously to peel back to get at the uh, the meat. So, I mean, if you're if you're particularly squeamish about fat, it mightn't be for you, but if you're prepared to put the work in, the meat underneath is well worth it. And these were just the starters? Just the starters. So you can tell we were getting full at this point. Um, and then along came the, the main courses. But actually, with the main courses, we decided to order some of the craft drinks. I'm not really a fan of beer myself, um, so we just ended up with cider, both of us. Um, I had a dry MacGyver cider purely because that's my mother's maiden name so decided to try and give it give a nod to the family um, and then my husband had uh, kind of a deeper flavoured cider from Little Island which is only nearby so we said we'd go for a cork one um, and then Anthony of course went for the burger but he went for quite interesting sounding uh, burger the decadent bull which is kind of a, a luxury version of the traditional burger um, you know it's, it's incredibly earthy dish it was a combination of beef foie gras and forest mushroom which made for a very nice combination. Um, all of the dishes were kind of were served with not a huge amount of greenery or salad or anything. That's the only thing that I found that was missing. Um, something to kind of counterfoil all the heavy, heavy flavours would have been nice. Now, whenever you say that burger w- had the foie gras and the mushrooms, were mm-hmm. they layered up on top of it? Or piled it? high, yeah, piled high. And a, and a good proper big thick of foie, a thick slice of foie gras as well, not just sort of like a, a spread on top. So my husband was delighted, of course. Um, but again, even he could only make halfway through. It was a very, very filling dish. And was that served in a bun? Served in a bun, yes. Um, and uh, I think they come with sort of different types of buns. I think there's like brioche bun and brown bun and you can you can choose whichever one you prefer. Okay. Did you tell me what you had for your main course? I didn't. I decided to go for something different purely because there, there has been so, there's much, been so much food, food and yet there's more. <laughs> um, no, I had the half rotisserie chicken. Um, they're they're they kind of uh, focus on how they cook the chicken in there. They're quite proud of it. Um, they marinated in tea leaves. Now I couldn't really detect that flavour myself, um, but the chicken itself was quite nice. It's quite moist underneath the crisped uh, skin. Uh, again, the only thing is it was a, a big chunk of chicken and uh, deep fried sweet potato on the side. Greenery would have been nice. That's the only thing. A little bit of salad maybe. And that was a whole chicken? Half a chicken. Half a chicken. I'm good. I'm not that good. No, okay. there was a limit on how much I could eat. All right. Um, that was a half chicken for 13 euro. Because it sounds a bit Bunrati medieval banquet style. Yes, kind of pulling apart meat with your fingers kind of style. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with, and I suppose technically we had the music too, it was on the street. So yeah, it's not, not a million miles off, all right. But it was good, you liked it. I did, I did. Um, I mean, the flavour of it was, was the, the skin um, was flavoured nicely. I just couldn't get the tea uh, okay. flavours from it. But no, it was kept quite moist. So obviously they, they take pride in how they cook it, you know, because given that they must have cooked an enormous amount of them that day, they were very busy. And you usually always have a little bit of room for dessert. We tried to uh, to squeeze it in, yes. Uh, in fairness, the staff managed to keep a straight face when we ordered yet more food. Um, but we decided to to share it. There was just there was no way we could manage one each. And um, we went for. It. A platter of soft doughy cookies, um, just served with warm caramel sauce and ice cream. So it was incredibly youthful. It was like something very kids, unusual dessert. Very unusual. Um, I kind of like that about cockball, though. You know, they don't they don't necessarily dress it up as as fine dining burgers. It's just comfort food and a nice warm um, desserts, kind of reminiscent of something you'd have as a kid. You know. Okay. In terms of value for money? Um, it wasn't bad, actually. I mean, given the amount of food we ate, which was a, rather a lot, uh, it, we spent 88 euro on two starters, two mains, two cocktails, two craft ciders and dessert. So that's not terrible. And the service? Service was very, very good. I mean, given when I went there, they hadn't been very long open. Um, so the staff were trying to get to grips, you know, with a fairly big menu. And it's quite an extensive uh, interior as well. It's kind of like a New York bar. It has a kind of funky vibe to it. So given that they're trying to get to grips with a new new premises and new menu and new customers I thought they were they were excellent and Mark's out of town 
Um, for what it is, uh, you know, as a comfort, comforting, relaxed bite to eat, I'd say maybe six or seven out of ten. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So just remind the listeners of the name and the address of it. So it's Cockbull, and that's spelled C-O-Q-B-U-L-L, and it's on 5 French Church Street in Cork City. Perfect, Rachel. Thanks so much for coming in to talk about that tonight, and you will be back next month when you're going to be going to the Treasury in Limerick. Yes, a little closer to home. I look forward to Sharon. Thanks a million. Thanks. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Thanks to Rachel for her latest review and you can find details of that review and lots of others on Rachel's blog which is rmkeely.com. If you have the perfect restaurant that you would like Rachel to visit and review for the show please drop me an email s.noonan at live.ie and I'll pass the details on to her. Still to come tonight, Easy Food Magazine's Caroline Gray will be here to preview the latest issue. And I hear about the importance of food photography with Shane Smith. Next, though, it's time for me to play an interview that I did when I was in the North recently. I took myself to Port Stewart to Harry's Shack, which has only opened since August last year. And since then, it's won numerous awards and has been cited by John and Sally McKenna as their 2014 Restaurant of the Year. Have a listen to my chat with Donald Doherty. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. I'm delighted to be here. I was very excited about coming, I have to say, because I grew up not that far from here and Port Stewart Strand has great memories for me. Tell me about the first time you walked into the space here. I didn't even know Port Stewart Strand existed, which is very poor of me, only living 45 minutes down the road. But um, I was brought here December the 9th, and the reason I know that so well is because my wife had her first baby on December the 8th, the day before, and I wasn't allowed into the hospital till one o'clock, so I kept a meeting with the National Trust that I had on site, and they were surprised to see me knowing that we had just had the baby, but... Is I, December 9th, 2013? Uh, 2013, exactly, okay. yeah, just over a year ago. And came on site, more so to do a friend a favour who worked with the National Trust and helped me with another project in Derry. And he was, he was on to me, come up and look at this, come up and look at this, come up and look at this. And I said, I'll come up and look at it, but there's no way I'm doing anything in Port Stewart. It's too far away. So I came on site and it was the building, obviously, before we got our hands on it. There was no real windows in the building. The shutters were all closed up and it was a wintry day. The rain was coming literally sideways and still without giving too much away with facial expressions I was sitting going wow my big problem was I didn't want to give that away really at the start and the second problem was how am I going to sell this to my wife given that you know how much was going to be involved in doing something I did think it was beyond our reach in terms of geographically you know, we're known for Harry's restaurant in Bridgend it's 52 minutes away uh, in a average day this is in County Donegal in County Donegal exactly um, so we thought is that too far and we, we hemmed and had for a month two months we knew it was going to be a winner in the summer we didn't know what was going to happen in the winter and it was only really with encouragement at the end with the National Trust saying listen this will work this will work and if it doesn't work we'll still work with these somehow and what the lease might be or anything else so I have to say straight away they have been nothing short of brilliant and encouraging and now a lot of people turned around to me and said the building that formerly was which wasn't nice inside wasn't nice to be inside um, I said if we're going to do this we're going to do it properly we are going to strip the whole building apart we're going to take away one side and replace it with windows to get the most of the view. And all those things are ticking up on the spend. We rewired it, we re-plumbed it, we took out every single internal wall and fixing and we redone the building totally. So I guess we went to the extremes and yet people were saying to me that's too big a spend. And But I knew if we were going to do this, I knew we could create something that wasn't just known in the North Coast. I knew we could create something that people would literally go, wow. You know, and that's what we, we wanted to open with a wow. Uh, when you came in that day and it was all boarded up, how did you have that vision, especially when your mind was actually very closed off? You were coming really just to go through the formalities. You didn't expect to be blown away, which it sounds like you were, probably literally and figuratively. It was right. Um, I'd been studying what's been happening in terms of how things have changed now we're going through a huge recession and and there's lots of places doing badly 
but then there's a swinging change in the lifestyles happening and there's and there's things going on like this idea of the wild atlantic way doing so well but this north coast has been doing better over the last few years and i looked at towns like dunfanaghy and donegal and i looked at downington donegal where friends of mine were having brilliant summers and i thought to myself there is something lifestyle going on and if i was to describe one word this restaurant i would describe it as lifestyle whereby there's beach walkers all year round, dog walkers all year round. Any glimpse of sun, like today in February, and this beach is busy. You know, now we didn't understand that at the time, but we did know it was. It was there's a shift in people's patterns changing, and the healthier food lifestyle, which feeds straight into our fresh fish, homegrown vegetable theme. So we knew there was something going on, and that was what gave me the confidence to come up here in the first place. To be honest with you. Yeah. When you went home, how did you sell it to your wife? I dropped your, it into conversation a few times while changing nappies and getting used to all that <laughs> business. And, uh, you know, kind of talked about it, uh, probably lied to her uh, about how big a project it was, what it was going to cost, and how long we were actually going to do it for. So, um, so yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to use the word lies, but didn't tell her all the truth. Uh, no, but the other thing is we didn't realize then when we did get it all done, when we did do the work, when we did do it properly and we were held back getting planner permission and all sorts of red tape, um, we didn't realize it was going to, we, we knew it was a good location, but we didn't realize how good it was going to be. Well, I'd imagine now whenever you were here in, in December 2013, you wanted to be open for the summer season in 2014, but that didn't happen. Well, we'd gone for the first week of May. We actually opened at the end of August, so I missed how many months? May, June, July, and nearly all of August. So, uh, you know, but listen, we could have done it quicker. We wouldn't have done as good a job. And then literally the planning permission was quite a, a long process. But I mean, when you are looking to do something properly, you yeah, just have to go through the right hoops. There's no point in trying to shortcut anything. And we could have not done the windows, for example, and that would have sped the project by two months. But again, we would have lost that wow factor, you know. And you opened in August then, probably expecting to be open August, September. Uh, well, the, again, we didn't know winter, so we were we, we kind of based the place around the idea that we could close it for two or three months in the winter. Yeah, but that has not been possible. Well, actually, you know, we thought August, end of August, when we opened, was busy. We thought September and October, and don't get me wrong, they were busy. But I mean, we were then achieving our best weeks of the year in okay, the week Christmas, New Year's going to be busy everywhere. But I mean, it was phenomenal, and then January and February, like the weekends are booked out here. Well, tell us about Christmas because you'd actually tweeted how many people did you have to turn away? Well, I think I think I tweeted we turned away maybe 300 people in that one day, but I'm pretty sure in that week we turned away upwards of 1,500 to 1,600 people. That is just crazy. But I mean, there's there's things going on here. There's all sorts. There's people coming to have lunch here and they're booking, and and, and now they're coming from not just Ireland but beyond, believe it or not. But. Um, there's also the beach walker, like on those sunny days, there's there's a thousand, fifteen hundred people in January walking that beach on that week, do you know what I mean? So even if, if, if one in three of them come in, try and come in for coffee, you can work out the numbers here. It's not very big. There's one coffee machine, right? So we hit these bottlenecks on sunny, good days, good weekend days. And that's about us learning about the site, do you know what I mean? We, we now know what we have to do to get anywhere near uh, serving everyone this summer. We have another huge project on our hands as well as running this busy place, but we've got to figure it out because we can't have people coming here and being disappointed. When you read stories that are written about the, the shag by Joris Min and Jay Rayner and Sally and John McKenna, how does that make you feel? Listen, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it, more importantly, it gives my team here a buzz, right? And, and they enjoy seeing it in the papers and they enjoy the buzz. And I'll be honest with you, there isn't time to, I'm going to use the word, enjoy it. You enjoy it the day it comes out. I mean, I, I read the Jay Rayner thing, I remember it about 20 to 7 that morning when it came online because I literally wasn't sleeping waiting for it. I read it once more that night and I might have read it once since because there's just a sheer lack of time to... The nice thing is each time you read it, you pick out something that you didn't realise was there, do you know what I mean? Uh, and equally... John and John himself, who came in on the second day of operation, and John arrived at the door and he had his black wooden hat on, he had sunglasses on, and he had the coat buttoned up. Now I know John long enough and respect him long enough to know him. As soon as he came in the door, and I was like, "Oh, John, not me, not me first full day, John, John." The nice thing about each one of those people, and here's the most important thing: they came here and they came to enjoy themselves. And like even the way you came in the door, they're smiling. You find people coming into this building, looking out at the view, being on the beach. 
they've, they've relaxed before they've walked in the door. And that's not the case in my other restaurant where they're coming off a road into the restaurant and they don't come in the door relaxed. It's a funny thing that I'm learning here. But as soon as you come into somewhere relaxed and smiling, you're going to enjoy yourself. And that's part of the magic of being surrounded by the water and the beach and the sand. It's it's very hard not to enjoy yourself down here. And the fabulous surroundings, along with then the critics' reviews, all the positive reviews, do you blame those for the bottlenecks at the coffee machine? Um, I think Jay Rayner had it on the head. He said you could be busy here and do a bad job. I think you could be busy here and do a bad job. Um, it would have been criminal, and it's credit again to the National Trust, whereby they did you know, vet us, they did come to us, they did look at what we're doing already and what we believe in, and they wanted something good in here. The site deserves it, Port Stewart Strand deserves it. And all, like, I'll be honest, we're learning each month what the site wants, and we're learning each month what the customer wants, and we're tweaking it each month. Um, but it needed a good job done on it. You know. Well, obviously you do great coffee. What else is, is the menu about? I haven't seen the menu, so give us an, a flavour of what's on the menu. Um, the menu's basically super casual, to sit in with these surroundings and the stripped back wood and, and the floors were picked to take the sand in and not, you know, sand becomes your friend, not your enemy. So in that way, you're at the beach. I mean, the single best seller here is fish and chips. In fact, the menu is probably being about, demand here's about 80% fish. And that's kind of blown us away a, a bit, to be honest with you, which is falls right into what we do well because we literally this week already for example we have bought in the region of 900 kilograms of whole fish from boats that have landed into Greencastle we've filleted every one of those ourselves we leave some of them whole like Megram and everything else but we're all about that local fish coming off boats and straight onto menus it is that simple we grow two acres of our own vegetables in an organic way um, so a lot of our own vegetables but equally, brunch here all day is working. You know, coffee and treats, we bake all our own stuff there. That's working as well. So, And don't get me wrong, in the winter we do our slow braised beef feather blades. Burgers are very popular during the day, although we do a really good burger and a homemade brioche bat. Um, so it's a mixture, and we design the dishes in a way that a lot of them are, are, are you don't need a knife and fork for. Like the chicken dish at the minute, the chicken pieces on the bone that you can literally pick up and eat. We do the bowls and mussels with the soaking bread and you're, you're watching people drink the, 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 the juice at the bottom of it. So we're trying to create dishes where people are using their hands more and not necessarily a full knife and fork experience as well. So, And is that very different from the menu in your other restaurant? Um, it's a little bit different. Now, we, we steal some of the same dishes and, and, there's no, and we use the same fish and vegetables. There's no doubt about it. I guess in the other restaurant at night time, possibly we, we, we dress it a little bit more so we might not up a little bit so and there's also a numbers variation there where we do more numbers here so we won't be doing swipes on plates we won't be doing dots and purees here I mean we don't do that here uh, it's not even Derek's style of food anyway in Bridgend don't get me wrong but arguably we, we, we do add an extra element or two to our dishes in Bridgend and, and we don't do that here but it's the same good flavour same sauces same fish same vegetables and Derek is your chef here and in the other restaurant? So Derek Cray, uh, head chef in both places. So Derek designs the menus. I work with Derek in terms of doing the fish auctions and the vegetables and all the rest of it. But I mean, it's very much Derek who designs the menus and the ideas. And not just Derek, but a couple of very good, like Jolt, who spends most of his time here, looks after the kitchen here when Derek's not here. Uh, brilliant chefs. Young Andy's come back from the Hand and Flowers uh, after two years there to become Derek's number two in Bridgend. Monto would be arguably one of the best pastry chefs in Ireland who's doing desserts and all the bakery stuff here on the counter. Um, so there, we've built a good team around the basis of Derek coming home to Donegal where he's from and cooking in Donegal for the first time in his life um, and enjoying it. It must be quite difficult for the two of you to split your time between the two places. And it has been difficult, I guess, because this has been so overwhelming. Um, I basically park myself here in Port Stewart every day for the first four months, basically. But that involves me living in Bunkrana, passing Bridgen, and meeting with Derek every morning and every night and bringing up fresh supplies. So that's the way the logistics works on it. Um, more recently, I've been able to spend a little bit more time back in Harry's as well because I've now got a very good team here. William looks after front of house when I'm not here and arguably does a better job than me. Um, but the team here now know what I expect in terms of service and how to do it. And 
are better at it and that's part of you know we are still we're not open six months yet you know, we, we are getting better and we'll continue to get better would you describe yourself as a lead by example sort of person um I would be harsh on myself. I mean, there's an ex- expectation of what I, how I expect a customer to be greeted in the door, served, how the operation should work, um, and maybe sometimes I push people a wee bit too hard. Maybe I don't know, but I do expect that people come here and enjoy themselves. And I, I get very disappointed that if we do something wrong, you know, that we everyone should leave here enjoying themselves. That's you know, and we should do everything. You know, and we do have to push ourselves harder sometimes. And we think it's going smoothly, and that's the most dangerous. I, I keep warning the guys, when you think it's going smoothly, that's when you have to watch yourself even more, you know. So you have to be, every single day, coming here on top of it. So what's next? Next is, our biggest problem is simply the amount of people, again, this week in midterm, that we are turning away at the door. And, you know, we are getting messages in of disappointment, and we are going, you know, and that that hurts, and I, I feel like I'm letting the site down. So. I mean, the obvious thing here is the outside, what we can do outside. So we are looking into every mode of how we can serve people outside that maybe necessarily can't get booked in or can't get in here for something to eat. Um, So without giving too much away, we are looking at partnering with a couple of other good Northern Ireland companies in terms of bringing their brand to the beach as well. Um, And that whole coffee, treats, ice cream to go thing, we need to make it better than we had it last year and this year. We need to make that better. Um, what kind of food service outside? Um, that's the part we have to solve. We've, we've got to Easter to solve that. Whether we go barbecue or whether we go fish and chips or what, but we need to serve a meal outside that doesn't um, doesn't come inside for the orders. It's, you know, because that kitchen can only cope with so much. So um, the summertime right now is kind of a bit scary. Well, so. well, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time because I know you are totally flat out here, and I must get my hands in one of those fabulous menus now because I'll be ready to order in a few minutes. All the best for the future. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, we heard earlier from restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley. Rachel reviewed the Cockbull restaurant in Cork City and you can find her review on her blog rmkeeley.com. And just before the break, I was in Port Stewart talking to Donald Doherty at Harry Shack, which is just there on the beautiful Strand and well worth a visit. Never fear if you've missed some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week, along with all the previous 2014 shows. And you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Still to come tonight... Shane Smith shares his thoughts on food photography, amongst other things. Next, though, I'm delighted to pick up the phone and put a call in to Caroline Gray at Easy Food magazine. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Caroline Gray, Deputy Editor of Easy Food magazine, you're very welcome to the show tonight. Oh, thanks very much. The March issue is out now. Tell me what we can look forward to this month. So, well, with the March issue of Easy Food, we are all about celebrating all the best of Irish produce, ingredients, and just good old-fashioned cooking. Uh, We have our um, celebrity guest editor this month as uh, Jarena Allen, so we couldn't have found anybody better um, to that really represents the best of Irish cooking than Jarena. We have recipes from herself, just things that you can make at home really quickly that, you know, they're just great home cooking type of meals that, um, again, they're just using really good ingredients, fresh, uh, preferably local things that, um, you know, you're supporting your community and the local growers. Um, but then as well, on top of that, we have a great feature on um, some traditional Irish breads. So things from soda bread to boxy to just a nice brown bread, things that everybody kind of, um, you know, would have had growing up in the house. And we were just kind of getting back to basics with that. Because, of course, Darina Allen and everybody down there at Ballymaloo would all be very pro-growing your own and sourcing locally. Definitely. definitely. And what's great is that, you know, she's so, um, you know, involved with the magazine that she was kind of giving her tips and opinions, like, throughout all of our different features. And, you know, even we have uh, What's in Season and kind of a growing your own section in the magazine. And she was, you know, giving her tips on things you can grow at home and some of her favorite local ingredients and just ways for anybody, even if you haven't done something like this before, 
uh, ways you can get involved and, you know, get that green thumb going, you know, for the benefit of your kitchen. So it sounds like Darina was very hands-on in this issue, and I'm sure that is the case with all your guest editors, but people might not actually appreciate that. Exactly. That's the thing, you know... um, you know, they know of Easy Food, and the thing is, so many of these, you know, really well-known chefs, they all got their start just in the kitchens like anybody else. So when we do our Q&A with them, and, you know, we can ask them everything from, you know, what's your biggest kitchen blunder to, you know, what do you love best about, you know, home cooking, they all have these really great stories about, you know, how the recipes that are in Easy Food are like the ones that they grew up with. So, um, you know, she was able to just go on and on about, you know, her favorite things that she had that her mother would make and the first things she kind of started cooking at home and, um, you know, how that transferred into obviously her own kind of cooking ethos and what she teaches at Ballymaloo. So, you know, that's why it was so great to have her on board because we're trying to just get back to the basics of, you know, what you can do at home, but as well, you know, like spicing it up and, you know, she has so many great recipes for things that it it could even just be an updated version of, you know, this old chicken soup of yours that, um, you know, add these new spices or try these fresh ingredients that you can, you know, find around the corner and all of a sudden you have a great new recipe. So it was great having her for that reason. I believe that in this issue there are some special features on theme nights. There are. We did um, a special, we, every issue we have kind of a, uh, like a weekly budget menu. So just, you know, budget-friendly and recipes that you can cook, um, you know, for every night of the week. And so we just wanted to switch it up a bit and have uh, theme nights, which is something that we're kind of big fans of in the office. It's just an easy way to, you know, really make the most of your weeknight cooking and get people excited about homemade meals. So we were doing things like, um, you know, Taco Tuesday or Spaghetti Saturday, you know, Meatless Mondays. And, you know, it's not a matter that you have to cook every one of them and make your week you know, these themed meals, which, you know, would be fun and kids absolutely love it. But um, it's more of just kind of bringing a little bit of variety into your weekday cooking so that you're not getting bored and so you're not thinking, you know what, instead of making a meal at home, maybe we'll just get takeout. Um, It's just kind of a a fun way to get excited about dinner on a Wednesday. And even if you only do the one of them, even if, you know, you only want to do one pot Wednesday and that's your only themed night meal of the week, at least you have that to look forward to and at least you can have that to plan ahead and you can make things in advance and freeze them. So it's really just about making home cooking fun and easy for people. Whenever you say Meatless Monday, I'm sure then you have a few vegetarian recipes in the issue this month. We do. We always do. And we have um, a really handy little key at the bottom of we work out the nutritional information for every recipe in the magazine so you can see exactly what's in it. And um, we have just little tags that will show you you know, if kids might like this, if it's freezer-friendly, if it's gluten-free, if it's dairy-free, low-fat, and then we always have the vegetarian, um, the vegetarian option, so you can see straight away if it's a meal that, um, you know, if you are eating meat-free, if it's, you know, safe to go ahead with that, and and then as well, a lot of our vegetarian options will include a little button to say, if you want to add a bit of you know, treats out of this, or if you'd like to bulk it up, you know, you can add some torn chicken. So we just make it as uh, versatile for everybody, whether or not you want to be, you know, vegetarian 100% of the time, or if you're just kind of looking to change things up, like for a meatless Monday. And of course, if you're not a vegetarian, there's lots of meaty dishes there oh, as well. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. We always like to make sure that we have, you know, plenty to choose from if you're just looking for that, you know, good old stick to your bones type of cooking. So, um, you know, even just one of our features, we just have this everyday elegance. So it's kind of, you know, we, we do get so caught up sometimes with um, making sure everything is so you know, budget friendly and tight purse strings. But once in a while, you kind of want to indulge. You want to make a nice meal, just something that really impressive and you're kind of showing off to people. And some of these are just, they're really, um, you know, you're not cutting any corners and there's a really gorgeous lamb stew in there. And you know, every time we see it in the office, we're just like, oh, gosh, I'm just so hungry. I can't wait. I would love to dive into that later tonight. So, um, But definitely, we always have uh, just kind of really home-cooked, comforting meals throughout the issue. And some unusual items as well, such as buying awful. Yes, yeah. Um, we, you know, we like to get expert opinions whenever we're able to. And we have a regularly occurring column from Dave Lang from the Association of Craft Butchers, and this month he kind of just decided, you know what, a lot of people would have grown up, especially when you when everybody was eating um, very inexpensive meals and, um, you know, 
kidneys and tripe, or these kinds of things were, uh, you know, they're frequently used. So he's just kind of bringing it back. We're not saying that that's something that we frequently cook with. You know, we, we tend to obviously go a lot for just like the chicken or the mince, but, you know, he was just explaining what it is. And if you want to, you know, if you do want to save money at the butchers and you do want to kind of go back to basics with, um, you know, even something like beef cheeks are becoming really popular. Something like that or, uh, you know, kidneys or even something like tongue. Um, he's explaining in just a really, really basic way some of the common ways that it can be cooked and what to ask your butcher, you know, if you do want to go and, if, even if you don't mean to buy it, but if you just want to kind of get more information about it or what you need to do to make sure you can cook it and it turns into a really gorgeous meal. Because I'm sure there's some people there who don't actually know what awful is. Oh, yeah. Well, it basically, awful just refers to, you know, the inner organs um, of the animal. And it's, it's meant to mean the words off, fall. So it's basically what's left after butchering. So, um, you know, it was really nutritious and it was kind of, it tended to be eaten in the days before refrigeration because these things might go off sooner. They might be more difficult to preserve, um, you know, before kind of modern refrigeration. So, you know, it was something that a lot of people grew up with. And I know a lot of people that really do have a soft spot for, you know, again, just like an old-fashioned steak and kidney pie. So, um, it's something that he, as a butcher, people do continue to ask for it, and it's just about knowing what to do with it and how the right way to prepare it really is. I can't say I'm a fan. <laughs> That's like I said, I, I, I've had a great steak and kidney pie before, and I would be the type I'd go for. You know, I, I could beef cheeks. I really am a fan of, but I'm more of the chicken and the mince type myself. That being said, it's good to learn about these things. Anyway. Absolutely, of course, of course. And you also have the very popular topic of begging bread in there. We do, yes. So um, we always, you know, we always cover some baking in the in the magazine, and um, just something for this because it was the March issue, and because we had St. Patrick's Day, and we had Dorina, um, we just really wanted to get back to you know what do most people cook at home, and so many of us you know, week after week, we'll just make a loaf of brown bread or, you know, our own soda bread. So we were just thinking we wanted to kind of get back to that. And the great thing is, as well, we kind of have, you know, we have the recipes for soda farls or a Waterford blah. And at the beginning of the feature there, Darina was, um, you know, we decided, like, let's think of what people um, kind of have trouble with with bread. Because so many of these breads, especially, like, we don't really need um, yeast for or, you know, they're kind of a a quick throw together bread for the family so but even still you can run into some trouble so she gave us her you know top 10 things to avoid when you're doing you know when you are baking bread at home or things to kind of you know you have to be very specific with baking and um you know just everything to kind of keep in mind and once you kind of get used to these recipes or once you've done it once or twice uh, it's just you know you can almost do it in your sleep so they're great handy just really old-fashioned lovable recipes like that and then something that is the or can be the perfect accompaniment to bread for dipping would be oils and you have a feature about healthy oils i believe we do yeah so it's um you know we're just trying to cover everyone kind of knows say about like olive oil but you know we're just kind of getting more into um other oils that would be you know say maybe they're a bit more heart healthy or you know if you're frying for instance um, you don't want to use olive oil because every oil has something called a smoke point, and it's, you know, the, the temperature at which, um, you know, oil can start burning. And say something like extra virgin olive oil, it has, um, you know, it has a very low smoke point, so if you try to fry something in it, it's just going to burn, it's going to taste bitter. Whereas you'd like to use something more like vegetable oil that doesn't, that has a much higher smoke point. Um, and it, so it's stuff like this that, you know, I know sometimes when I go into the oil section, I might just grab, you know, what's on sale or, you know, what I think is suitable for everything. But it does pay to know the difference, just these kind of subtle differences between the oils, just so you're making a more informed decision when you're shopping and you can guarantee yourself a better result when you're cooking. Okay, well, a jam-packed issue as always, Caroline. It's out on the shelves now at €2.90. And the web address is easyfood.ie because I know you always pop a few things up there, so you do. We do. do. We definitely do. So, yeah, we have competitions and more recipes and everything on the website. So it's definitely the a great accompaniment to the printed magazine. Well, thanks for talking to me this evening. And can you reveal who the April guest editor is? 
Sure. Yep. The April guest editors, it's going to be um, David and Stephen Flynn. They are the co-owners of the Happy Pear Cafe in Greystone. So it's going to be a lot of great meals and great recipes for eating meat-free. I was going to say there'll not be a lot of meat there. The two boys are vegan, aren't they? (laughs) Exactly. So it's going to be a lot of great vegetarian recipes, but then, of course, we always are going to balance it out with plenty of roast features and, you know, tips for using, making the most of mints. So there's there's always something for everybody. I like the way you put the emphasis on roast there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline, good to talk to you. Thanks a million. talking to you. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me chatting to Caroline Gray about the latest issue of Easy Food magazine. Earlier in the show, Rachel Keeley reviewed the Cockbull restaurant in Cork and I was talking to Donald Doherty on location at Harry Shack in Port Stewart. Now, my next guest is someone I met at the Foodie Forum in Galway in February. Shane Smith is editor of Yes Chef magazine and I had a few questions for him, the first being about the importance of good food photography. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Shane, you have a fabulous magazine, Yes Chef, and the photography in it is absolutely critical to the the production of it. It absolutely is, and it's probably one of the things that inspired me to start the publication. At first, I was given a present of Marco Pierre White in Hell's Kitchen, and it was about uh, 30 photographs to 100 recipes. And I'm saying to myself, okay, summer soups or vegetable sauce, whatever it might have been, but there's so many fabulous dishes that were uh, just lacking a photograph, let alone a good photograph. And one of my bugbears is chefs taking photographs of food on the pass because the heat lamps at the pass just don't do the food and he just comes up orangey and so on. So good photography is essential to, well, for our publication anyway. Is your background in photography and food? My background, yes, photography, not food photography. Uh, I was an amateur photographer for years and I employed photographers for years and uh, some of the bills that came in from from photographers were mind-blowing. But back in the day when everybody had money, we just paid the bill. And uh, the economic climate downturn, etc., forced me to do something that I ended up absolutely loving. And I believe if you love something, what's that saying? That Find something to do that you love and you'll never have to work again. So you actually took up photography yourself in just the last few years? Well, no, I've been an amateur photographer for probably 15, 20 years, but I started uh, doing the food photography in around 2000 and, 2008, 2009. And what advice would you give to somebody that is photographing food, an amateur photogra- photographer that is? Point and shoot. Play. Practice makes perfect. Back when I was learning piano, that's what my dad always told me. Practice makes perfect. Read go to classes, join a photography club. There's people out there. It's very like the chefing world. Um, Protégés become mentors because when you're a protégé, you just look up to somebody and then you want to be that person looking down and giving the advice. And that's one thing about the chefing world. You'll see, like, we've just come out of that demonstration kitchen where Brian McCarthy is there and he was talking about a a chef called Kieran Scullion who is, uh, I think he's in the Ballycotton Hotel or he's in Ballycotton, somewhere around there. He was his mentor. And Brian now is mentoring a guy beside him and the whole world of chefing is just, it's a wonderful world to be involved in. I, I'm lucky. I'm, I love food and I get to publish a magazine, but swing with these guys is a, priv- a privilege. In the current climate where social media is all over the place and people are tweeting and they're Facebooking and they're putting their photographs up there, how does it make you feel when you see an absolutely dreadful photograph of a dish that somebody has been served? Um, well, I suppose it depends on the context. Is it like somebody who's come along and is complaining on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it might be? That to me, I, I don't think that's fair because it could have been some commie chef that put it up. But if a chef puts up something himself that should have been photographed uh, professionally, obviously I'm saying, I'm there to do a job. You do your, you cook, I'll photograph. Because it really actually disappoints me whenever I see a nice tweet about a dish and then the photograph doesn't really reflect how good that dish is. That they're doing a bit of a disservice to themselves, really. 
they are. You will never see any uh, major international company coming along and just using this sort of. There's probably a ban on most uh, within most companies. Like it's just corporate etiquette. You just don't put something up willy nilly. Whereas you see a chef in a small restaurant, maybe he can't afford to um, pay a photographer, which is fair enough. The restaurant trade is rather tight at times, but. Um, it does. It's a again. It's a bugbear, as I say. I would far far sooner see something in all its glory. I mean, we were in the Cambridges last week. And we photographed this fantastic orange cake. Oh man, it was just amazing. Again, proper lighting. Somebody who knows what they're doing. But hey, if it's going to share the secret of what my Cambridges have to offer, if it works, it works. Be it good or bad. Well. Tell us a bit about Yes Chef magazine. Who is it aimed at? Well, initially I started it uh, because of, as I say, Mark Pierre White's Hell's Kitchen. There was no photography. I'm an amateur photographer. I can do better. I'm a really keen home cook. I'm probably as good a home cook as you can get, and thank goodness I'm not a chef. Um, the industry didn't have anything showcasing what chefs like Brian McCarthy and uh, Greens and Cork, um, Heather from McCambridge's, there's so many chefs um, here on this island that don't get the same credit that, say, somebody like Jamie Oliver gets. Please don't get me wrong. Jamie's a great cook. He has no AA rosettes. He's, he doesn't claim to be anything more than he is. There's some guys out there who just didn't end up on the same PR gravy train. And that's where a lot of these celebrity chefs get their status from. Anthony Ward Thompson has burnt food on TV. Seriously. You know, there's guys, again, we go back to sort of um, people like, you know, Michael Dean in Belfast, an amazing cook. Michael in the greenhouse. Oh, my God. The greenhouse in Dublin, if you have never been, get there. It's fantastic food. 34 seats, one service, and it's just fantastic. It's in the same league as Gibos. The Yes Chef was inspired from... um, the lack of photography and my love for food. And you have an awards ceremony every year as well. Well, we've just recently launched the awards ceremony because some people would say that the Michelin Award is the the only one. To me, I think it's kind. Of, sometimes it can be look very much like a big boys club, and it doesn't allow um, room for the smaller chefs. We had a, a restaurant below in uh, Bantry when best restaurant monster called Willie Paz and when you drive by it I know he won't like hearing this but I'd hate the paint colour it's absolutely oh but when you walk in you have like the front lounge like a gentleman's club with sort of high back chairs with wings sort of um, styled and then the restaurant itself is a beautiful fire straightforward cooking doesn't have to include spherification or the use of um, liquid nitrogen or whatever it might be but you go in there, you get a really... They specialise in seafood. They're related to O'Connor's and Bantry, which is age-old, sort of famed for its uh, fresh seafood. And there's, there's space for an award ceremony for people like that, as well as the big boys, I suppose. You've mentioned a few places there. You've mentioned Dean's in the north mm-hmm. and the Greenhouse in Dublin and then uh, your place there in County Cork. As we're in Galway, what's your top pick for a restaurant in Galway? Well, we actually had a winner over here. Um, actually, what's one interesting, the best restaurant in uh, Connacht was Taste in Loch Ray. Two guys, I forget their nationality, but they, they work from their heart. Chef, cooks, and Yurka is out front of house. We sent a girl called Barbara Collins. She's uh, from Tube. You might know Barbara. And she just tweeted me that night. She said, Shane, I'm blown away. This is absolutely the winner. Now, obviously, it wasn't chosen on the night. But when the scores and the doors came up, these two guys just made it. Brother in the corner then uh, was another winner uh, for the best chef, uh, Joe Flaherty. Thanks so much for talking to me. And if listeners want to find out more about Yes Chef magazine... Yeschef.ie. Perfect. Thanks That's so much. It. Thank you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinter. Thanks to Shane for the chat there up in Galway. 
And just before we go this evening, it's time to look at some events that are taking place that might be of interest to you. If you're into bread making, and I was chatting to Caroline about that and about what's going to be an easy food magazine this month, well, you might fancy the bread making and baking course that Val O'Connor from Limerick is doing this weekend, but she's actually going to be doing it over in the tannery in Dungarvan. If you check out tannery.ie, the website there will have all the details. An unusual type of events that I don't usually have on the agenda. It's for the summer, so I'm giving you plenty of notice so you can plan for it. It features tenor Alfie Bow, and he's coming to the Culloden Estate in County Down on Monday. I think it's the 16th and Tuesday the 17th of June. It says Monday the 16th and Tuesday the 16th here, but that cannot be right. There's 320 guests per night and it includes a gourmet dinner before the up-close and personal performance with Alfie, which will include a delightful combination of classics from his albums and a beautiful collection of some of his latest songs. Tickets are available from Ticketmaster, I think that's Ticketmaster.ie and it's 175, I presume it's pounds sterling and that price tag includes a sparkling drinks reception, dinner and the show and the Culloden there in County Down is an absolutely beautiful setting so if you like classical music or tenor type singers that's something that you should really look into. As always I give a little mention to justcooking.ie for details of all of Mark Doe's demos and courses in County Kerry. Look out for the Saturday course that covers a variety of dishes such as finger food, starters, mains and desserts a nice gift for Mother's Day perhaps and Mark is also taking bookings for the kids camps at Easter so get booking it if it is of interest to you so you don't miss out or so the little ones don't miss out. Hook and Ladder has some lovely looking courses coming up, including an introduction to Tapas Night in Waterford. And in Limerick, they're offering a macaroon workshop. But to be honest, the picture there looks more like macaron to me. Just saying. And uh, you can get all the details of those events which are taking place within the next 10 days on the website hookandladder.ie. If you're into seafood... A Taste of the Sea, Beer Brewing and Pizza from Scratch. That's just three examples of courses being run by the School of Food in Thomastown, County Kilkenny. And you can take a look at the townoffood.com website for the details there. Please do keep sending me in details of your cookery demos, food courses, product launches, fundraiser and anything food or drink related that's taking place in your neck of the woods. You can email me s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be only too delighted to give them a shout out here on the diary on best possible taste. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That sadly is all we have time for this evening on the show. Thank you so much for your company and for tuning in. I really do appreciate it, as I do appreciate all my guests who take the time to talk to me. Tonight, that was Rachel Keeley, Donald Doherty, Shane Smith and Caroline Gray. Remember the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show. Please spread the word that the shows are there or have a little listen again yourself if you fancy it. Next week, Sinead Neeland of the Organic College is due back. So if you have any questions for her, please get in touch. Details coming up. And until then, have a fab week and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.